is the Two Spies Podcast, a part of the Numa Life family. Get ready to dig deeper in the Bible, have your worldviews challenged, and gain some different perspectives. Now, the conversation begins with your two spies, David and Mark. Okay, welcome to Two Spies Podcast Radio Show. Well, we're going to go back in time because Mark had to go back and restudy something we had already finished. My bad. <laughs> but you know how it goes. Uh, I just want to look at Genesis 39, 1 through 6a because verse 6 kind of cuts off in a strange way. So, well, the period. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it says, Now Joseph had been brought, brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had bought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had had, uh, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord um, was all was on all that he had in the ha- in a house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's, in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So, real quick, just kind of, we we beat it to death, so I don't want to, like, <laughs> talk about it a lot, but, um, you know... <laughs> It's a the dead horse. horse. That's not a dead horse, though, because dead horses don't say that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he may have been shot and preparing for death. Maybe that's what it is. He fell over, at least. <laughs> we couldn't take him to get some water. Um, but, you know, since it's dealing with slavery, um, you know, Joseph's being sold by his brothers as a slave. And, you know, again, there's there's good slavery and bad slavery. And <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> we just lost a lot of listeners. It was good slavery and bad slavery. So, <laughs> um, again, when we think of slavery, our minds go to the bad of people being abused physically and beaten. And even we see that in the Egyptians, you know, uh, further on down the road. Um, them being beaten and abused, but there are also these slaves or employee like. I think when we discussed slavery a while back, the research we did found that the Egyptians were the very first ones and the most prominent ones to ever have slaves. I think you're right. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So I just want you know just want to make just kind of aware that you know there's this you know Joseph's being sold. It could be a bad thing, but. Apparently, God's hands all over it, and God's leading him along the way. So there is even some good in this this being sold in the slavery thing, and um, everything everything really has like a slave like relationship. Um, we use that term "slave" is bad, but everything is a slave to something. You know, when you have a computer, mm-hmm. you have a slave. You have something as a you know your computer works as a slave to something else. Um, you know, we're a slave to gravity. If it works at all. Right. <laughs> the computer, not gravity. You can count on gravity much more often. Okay, turn gravity off. It's done. <laughs> um, wait, gravity is an absolute. We believe in absolutes now. Um, if you're living on Earth, it's an absolute. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's flat or round. It's <laughs> gravity is going on right now. That's right. Flat Earth. Here we go. <laughs> 
But uh, I put Joseph was a slave, but was successful in all he did. Um, success in a slave wouldn't fit our idea or our viewpoint of slavery. The idea of being a slave doesn't come um, negative until later um, from the same nation. But here it's actually looked at as a positive. Yeah. Um, so there's no negative thing. A slave became an employee or a watchman in the king's home. And, you know, so when you think of slave here, it doesn't seem all that he bad. He has a job. Yeah. I mean, and the king's like, hey, you're doing a good job. I mean, he's still a slave, but he's living like a like a king, like part of the palace. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so that's why I just want to kind of mention the employee he's not, he's not slave. free to go off and take vacations when he wants to. <laughs> of course, that's an American concept anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, there's all these terms, you know, even in the New Testament, Jesus, we talks about... Um, you know, being a slave of God or being a servant of God. That's exactly what I was thinking is a lead to. And, That's great. And some people use, think of that in a negative way, you know, like, I, I'm not going to be no slave to. And again, we're thinking of a rough time in, in, in American history and even in the Egyptian history. Our minds go to those things, but it's not exactly, you know, I think we just default into our thinking and how what we were taught. But well, I used to teach teenagers and tell them, you are all slaves, whether you like it or not. You have the freedom to choose a good master. I yeah. have a good master. Yeah. And if you don't want to choose that master, something else is your master. But every human is a slave to something. Right. We have a master that allows us freedom. But hey, we're, that, that entire... See, uh, something Josh said the other night, I wish I could remember the... The words he said on, on Wednesday night, it just kind of put it in my head. I, more I'm an employee. The way he said it, I thought more as in myself as an employee of God. But we want to go to a company that pays well and has good benefits. Those are the main things we're concerned about and longevity. Yeah. Uh, and work for a place that has a good boss above you that will treat you right. Right. And I've, I've come to see more and more. It's not a constant thing because it's an ebb and flow kind of maybe in my perception of it. Sometimes I perceive it. Sometimes I don't perceive it. I'm just blind to it, living through life, thinking that life is hard. When actually, as a Christian, life is not hard if you are looking at your employer and your employer gives you the best pay and the best benefits and treats you the best. And he then gives you a job. So I want you to go over here and witness this person. I want you to record this podcast because people are listening to it. I want you to talk about my word. Yeah. I want you to preach this sermon. I want you to play this song. I want you to take care of that need over there. And, and, and that's your employer giving you a job. Why do you want to think that you're, a, a, oh, I'm such a slave, I'm downcast. It's not a downcast thing. Right. That's still the same thing as what you're describing right here as a slave. I'm just calling it an employee because, sure. in a sense, every, you work somewhere, you're a slave there. Well, you're, you're, you know, you're driven by a mentality of, um, you know, some people, I want to go work here to get more money, to get a better, to get better pay, to get more vacation. To be a slave to the money. To be a slave to to that, and you work your butt off because yeah. you're a slave to it. Yeah. You you want a better life. Well, you you have that relation slave like relationship. You're bound to it. You're just kind of it, it's taking you on a ride. It's, you become a slave to it because you think you're working for freedom. Yeah, that's a good point. You want to make more money so you can get a, a nice house, so you can sit on the back porch on your off day and think you're enjoying your freedom. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah. your off days, say it's Saturday or Sunday, and then Monday you go back to your slave job. 
so you can pay for the back, the back porch. <laughs> exactly. And you think you you think you you've got freedom when you're sitting there on the back porch for a few minutes. Is that isn't that not an illusion of life? Is and I think that's why Jesus says, "Hey, you can't serve two masters. It's one or the other. I mean, yeah, you're going to be serving someone or something. It's just a part of life. So you got to decide who or what that is. And some people are driven or, or like I said, bound to earn more money. They're bound to have better insurance. They're bound to, you know, there, there's people I see that work their butt off and I mean, 60, 70 hours and they live like, and not the best home, but they do that because they want a really great car. Their car payments four or 500 bucks a month. Yeah. And they work their butt off. Why? Because they're a slave to that car that the, their idea of success or their idea of, they want people to look at them based yeah. on what they drive. So everyone is a slave in, in some sense. But here, you know, Joseph doesn't see it, even though he was sold as a slave. He's not seeing it as a woe is me right here. He's seeing it as, okay, well, I'll work. Yeah. And Potiphar's like, man, everything he's doing, is, I mean, it's a blessing. So I want to yeah. keep elevating him. So. Um, you know, Joseph could have saw it as man, my brothers sold me. Um, you know, I gotta, yeah, I gotta work. Me. I gotta work for a living now yeah. um, for this guy that I don't know. So, but instead, he's like, okay, they bought me. Um, I'm his. I'm his. You know, employee. He's a boss. I only so said, do what he says. maybe he's like, you know, kids think it's fun to help their dad do yard work, but that would be wrong because he's 17 years old when this happens. He's not like that. Yeah. Not because, not around his age issue. <laughs> yeah. He may be like that, but not because of his age. Yeah. Hey, either way, I just, yeah, that's a great point to think about is he's really working this life for God. Yeah. This um, is what God has him doing right now. And I put, it's interesting that <clears throat> you go from um, Joseph's life with his brothers and we all, you know, talked about the, the, um, the separation with his brothers due to the dreams and even his father. And they're kind of like Joseph, you know, um, and obviously that's why they sold him. But after, after the chapter takes a small break, it really begins with, and the Lord was with Joseph. I mean, that's verse two is the Lord is with Joseph. Yeah. Um, so it kind of begins what, what ended in, you know, say mm-hmm. it's the first scene. What ended in this ain't going, this ain't looking good for this guy, um, or we'll never hear about him again, or it's downhill from here. And then it pauses to Judah, and then we go back. Say, okay, let's see what happened to Joseph. And the first thing is, well, God's with him. That's what's going on right now. That yeah. through all this, God's with him. Um, I put when the real God shows up, it's impossible to ignore because um, they saw God was with him, and you think the Egyptians have multiple gods but they see this guy and they're like god's with him i mean don't know what god don't know you know yeah don't but, know him but but you know god apparently nothing else the things he's doing and the blessings we're getting there's no other possibility that god has to be with this guy this yeah it just wouldn't happen so um there's a you know, a noticing of what's going on. There's evidence that God is with um, Joseph. Verse three states that God caused success. And God, 
um, in verse three is the focus. It's not even Joseph. It's God is is the centerpiece of the blessing. God's the centerpiece of the success. Um, Joseph just has happens to be the person God is hmm. um, working alongside of. That's um, one of the uh, notes that my Torah class teacher, Professor Watford, was putting forward about Genesis uh, one is that God is the subject of every sentence, mm-hmm. or Elohim is the subject, the doer of the verb. He's the, the main thing in every sentence. Yeah, and whenever you use that word created in Genesis, but, uh, whenever whenever it's the verb, God is always a subject in the Old Testament, yeah. which is kind of, so it's showing that God is the only one that can actually do the creating, so to speak. But... Um, so God's behind the scenes. He's not the forefront. He's the author. He's a writer. He's a producer. He's the director, but he's not the main character. But he's, you know, the main character might get, <laughs> the main character might be on the screen, but he's only looking good because the writer wrote a good script. Yeah. I mean, he had good lines to repeat and say. So um, sometimes we, <laughs> we put everything on the pedestal while God's like moving behind the scenes. So, um, <clears throat> So the word, well, I don't know what word. Oh, um, in charge of, in verse four, uh, the phrase is the Hebrew word yod, or yod, right? Let me look for what you're talking about. Okay, verse four, in charge of, is is the phrase. Yon in charge, yod, that's hand. Yes. So it means hand. Um, could mean like a forearm. It can be used as a metaphor um, for the side part, um, etc. <clears throat> so when you look at the definition, you see Joseph was vital to Potiphar. Um, in charge of means, you know, like I've said, the hand. And, you know, your hand's a vital part of your body. Yeah. And so I think that's the picture here is that Joseph was extremely um, close for Pot- to Potiphar and Potiphar was dependent on him in such a way that he was like a hand um, a physical hand to him so I did the uh, pictograph and the numerograph uh, meaning for Yod so the pictograph y- Yod the letter Yod mm-hmm. means work or it's the picto is work mighty deed or divine deed mm-hmm. and Dalet is door doorway gate so I put <laughs> Joseph is the doorway to a mighty deed. So all the blessing, Joseph is just a yeah. doorway for God working through the him. That's reason he went to Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> and so the numeric is um, 10 for Yod, which is perfection of divine order, 10 commandments. Yeah. Um, and four, which is Dalit, is God's creative works, creation, or the four regions of the earth. And so I put through Joseph's obedience, God's law will come to creation to show us our need of a savior. So, and then cool. this, what, this is what really kind of like blew me away. Cause, um, I think our very first podcast, we did Matthew five. Yeah. Um, and we talked about blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? And I've always struggled with that term and, and that word, because you hear so many preachers, the blessing of the Lord. And, and most of the time it deals with wealth <laughs> or deals with finances or deals with now, a new Dave. house. Yeah. All these things that it wouldn't work in a third world country. So I've always struggled. What does it mean to be a blessed person? So, I did the uh, pictograph and numerograph, and I think it really, to me, it opens up what the blessed, blessing of the Lord. Yes, or ble- the word bless. Barak. Barak. Barak, yeah. 
So on the pictograph, Beit means house, tent, son, or family. Uh, Reish means person, head, prince, leader. Mm. And Kaf, which means cover, atonement, or palm. So Kafar. the Beit Reish is the son, basically. And so the son, who is the prince, is coming to make an atonement. So that so the pictograph is basically the sun is coming to make an atonement. So that that's the that's like um, I gotta think of atonement with, with <clears throat> Joseph's situation. Do what I had to I have to think of atonement with Joseph's situation. How does that follow? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, Go ahead. I just wanted to <clears throat> deal with the blessing real quick. And new, the numeric is two. Uh, the it means difference, good or evil, or God the Son. Or division, two hundred, which means the inadequacy of the temperate and sufficiency of man, or the sufficiency of God, and twenty means redemption. So, in other words, the numeric uh, meaning for bless is the Son is bringing redemption. And if you add those all together, two hundred and twenty-two, two two two, you get six, which is the number <laughs> of a man. Sorry, the Son of Man. There you go. Hey, David, David's just picking things apart. <laughs> I'm adding them down. I don't know if you. I think we discussed it before. Yeah. You just gonna take a number of of a word, like to add it down to see what the word is numerically as one single number. Yeah. Just wondering. <clears throat> so you hear the word "bless" all the time. Here we see Joseph was blessed, but also the entire household of Potiphar. <clears throat> Verse five says the blessing of the Lord was on all he had, but Potiphar is a bad person. He's evil in God's sight. He's not. A, he's not a righteous person. He obviously. Um, serves other gods so he's not you know a Jew he's not really serving Yahweh so he's not a, a holy person so um, God's blessing as we see in the new num- number meaning that we see the son because the insufficiency of man does that make sense yeah um, so if you take God out of the equation there's there's no blessing it's just emptiness but when you add God into the equation there's there's blessing that comes. Um, Jesus says, "Blessed is he, blessed are they." Again, Matthew five about the beatitudes and um, you know what does it mean to be blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, the word "bless" and the, and the numeric and the pictograph all points to Jesus. If you have Jesus, you're a blessed person. That's all that means. Yeah, basically. Um, so God's blessing is the sun to all of us. Well, something you just said reminds me of Genesis six six. If you add it all up numerically, down to add it down to one number, mm-hmm. chapter six verse six ends up. You add them all together, you get a six. No, excuse me. You get a five, which is grace. When I was expecting it to be a six, if you mm-hmm. take the name of Yahweh out, which is a eight, then you actually get a six again. So. What I'm saying is add all the numbers together and continue to add them all together until you get a single number. So if you get two, two, and two, and five in one right. word, you add those together. Two plus two plus two, six plus five gives you 11. One plus one gives you two. You continue to add down. So chapter six, verse six, six is a five, which is grace. Hmm. I expected it to be a six since it's actually about a story of judgment. 
Well, it has the name of Yahweh in there. And I, when I noticed that, I thought, oh, I should take that out and see what happens and re-add it. It becomes a six then. So without Yahweh, chapter six, verse six adds to a six. So it's six, six, six. And it's this big judgment of the whole world chapter. Hmm. But you put Yahweh in there, which is an eight, which is the number of new beginnings. And that verse turns into grace hmm. numerically. That's cool. <laughs> but that's what you said something just now. If you if you take God out of it. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much all. That's pretty much what I see. The word "bless" is it's, it's God covering us. Yeah, that's really all it is, and He covers us through the sun. The sun's like the umbrella. I mean, He's covering us from judgment, and we're blessed because the sun is that protection. That so you know, as long as you are serving Jesus or um, Jesus is a part of your life and your right relationship with Him. No matter what you have or do not have or lack or do not lack, you're blessed. Yeah. So we talk about seek blessing, seek blessing. We're already blessed people. Yeah. We have the sun. There's yeah. nothing else more really that we need. And so sometimes we add to God's word. We add to blessing when <laughs> the word blessed means this. You have the sun. We are. You know, that brings me back to thinking in my thinking to. Uh, I don't need anything else. He gave me a job, and he gave me benefits and pay. Yeah, he's he's given. He's he is a good company to be an employee of. Yeah, but I don't need anything else. If he says, if he says, I'm giving you this, that's great. If he says, I'm giving you more of this, that's great. I'm giving you less of this. That's his business. If he wants to do that, and that's great. <laughs> right. Do the job he gave you to do, and he'll take care of what you actually need. Yeah, and he'll give you more of what you want when he feels like giving it to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just that's one thing I've seen him. He gives <laughs> he gives me plenty of things I want. And there's sometimes where uh Hesa and I are praying and we just say thank you God for all the stuff you've given us and we name over some things that he's given us that are not necessities of life. Right. They're just something he wanted to give. And I I want to see them that way so I'm not thinking I don't want to think blessing, blessing, blessing like we're talking about now. Yeah, well, I mean, if you know, I don't think that's biblical. If everything's gone away, if everything just goes away and you're sleeping on a concrete, you know, road or, um, you know, you don't have a fridge full of food, you know, we would still be called blessed because we have the sun. But and and a preacher's mindset or. A, uh, the mindset of sometimes what happens is yeah. you're it's that job part of what did you do wrong or you know you're you're you know god has, god saying, has better for you he he yeah. wants to multiply he and he wants to you're nothing but, you know we just sang last sunday in the worship service uh you know miscellaneous i'm saying cause I, I work last sunday but yeah. we're just saying i'll give you everything god and you're all i need <laughs> And if he takes everything, and he yeah. were, he's all we have. Well, what would I do wrong, Lord? You said you were giving me everything. <laughs> you said that was all you needed. Now you're complaining about it. Well, it's like we take we take those Bible verses. We we take Joseph and we say, you know, we talk about you know blessing and like, oh, God's going to turn your your bad, you know, God, you know, Joseph was sold in slavery, but look what God did, and and you know, God's going to bless you just like He blessed. And I'm like, that. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't happen to everybody in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is a pretty good example. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, he, he didn't have a where is the son of a man going to lay his head? Um he doesn't have a place to lay his head. So, um the foxes have holes, blah blah. blah. So, um you know, the disciples are on the run, risking their life. And is that a I mean, would would you call that a blessed life is like you're you're sleep, you know, sleepless nights? 
You don't know where your meal's probably going to come from. People are trying to kill you. Yeah, but well, Mark, you're Mark, that's how they lived 2,000 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know that? Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying that jokingly, but we have so romanticized yeah. writing all the stories, and we think about the stories of Acts where Peter is there. We think that is Peter's life. We're not thinking about, well, I mean, here's, here's something borderline vulgar. We don't think about our heroes, you know, Bible people, Jesus, or in the movies. We don't think about Captain America going to the bathroom, but <laughs> not everything's written down. And these guys yeah. endured having to go to work every day, or they endured having to hunt food or fish food, fish yeah. for food. And then you yeah. had to cook it. And sometime or another, they burnt their finger on the stove. <laughs> these are common stuff every day. Right. And we don't write none of that or think about that. We think, about, oh, he was, he was right-hand man of Jesus. He was blessed. That's right. So... I just thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, the bless, you know, everything Joseph was doing was blessing and we focus on Joseph. But really, again, the main person in this story is God. God is hands at work. Yeah. Um, and of course, we know the end of the story. We, we know the story. And um, but Joseph does not. And yeah, you, you put, put yourself in that time frame. It's like, <laughs> but he's not complaining. He's working. God is honoring his his commitment. He's complainless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he probably grumbled under his breath. I don't know, but about that stupid <clears throat> uh, candlestick maker, <laughs> who forgot him. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so um, I put verse five as like a prophetic verse. It says. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had done, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. And what I mean by that is prophetic verse. What I mean by that is um, it appears that God will bless or return the land and people to its original purpose or its original state um, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of son. The son is, you know, buying the lamp redeeming us again and that's the blessing he's going to honor that request and he is mm. going to um you know uh you know the blessing was on all he had in his house in the field yeah so the blessing of the lord will come back and and fix everything so that goes back to what i've told you before i see in scripture uh, basically as the main point of scripture is to redeem land and bride yeah yeah so here it talks about the field People. and so but got some more stuff in 39, but I'll kind of pause there and kind of let you. No, I'm fine. Go ahead. Whatever you got. <laughs> this uh, is the Mark show tonight. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I would just put Genesis 39, 7 through 18 is kind of the whole story of um, Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Um, Joseph was tempted day after day. Um, if you think about the story of Samson, you know, it took how many times for Samson to like cave in? Like, okay, here's the real secret. Yeah. Um, what three times I think. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, Samson gave in three times, but Joseph was not giving in. He was not caving in. Delilah was probably hotter than Potiphar's wife. <laughs> well, it could be. We don't know. <laughs> um, but but Joseph was probably younger than Samson, so he probably had the hormones going on. So yeah. you never know. But um, uh, you know, Did those end when you get older or something. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. No. No, they don't. Anyway. Um, 
So, you know, we th- we, we've said this before, but Joseph didn't have the written word of God. He didn't have the commandment to say, hey, don't sleep with another man's w- wife. You know, he didn't have that written down. Yeah. Um, but he knew that it was wrong. Um, it was just something there. Um, hmm. Could be that it has carried down from generation to generation, say, hey, this is what God told Adam. This is what God told Seth. This is what God told, you know, Enoch, Methuselah, et cetera, um, that it was wrong. I don't know. Do you th- think it's an ingrained thing within us? It's, I mean, view je- uh, jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. I think jealousy, jealousy is inborn easily to say, because I have felt it my whole life over someone that I wanted for myself. Yeah. When I see them with another person. Or, you know, an ex-girlfriend you see with another guy, there's jealousy there because you feel ownership over a person. Right. So there's something in us that says, uh, that one's mine and I want to be that one's. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to step on, maybe this is the rarer part of it, but I don't want to step on his one, yeah. the other guy's one. Yeah. See, I, I personally, I don't believe it. all these laws so to speak were passed down meaning i don't think joseph knew <laughs> this law of hey don't sleep with them as well like you were talking about i think it was just instilled in him that there's something wrong with this yeah i just know um, this ain't right they're they're together and i shouldn't be with you know yeah um it would just make things complicated and common sense tells you hey if i sleep with her he's gonna be jet he's gonna be mad at me and i'm gonna get killed yeah. Um, so well, he's gonna I, make me scrub the toilets because I'm a slave. <laughs> there you go. So you know, I think I think there's something to steal, but um, you know, we have it written. We have the Word of God written down in the Scriptures. Um, but Joseph had such a conviction and relationship with God that it got him out of the situation without giving in, um, and without something physically telling him it's wrong. So there's that close relationship with God um, that just kind of you yeah. know which is crazy. Um, I put Joseph was elevated by Jacob and then sold into slavery by his family. Joseph was elevated by Pharaoh and then put in prison. Um, so he's going through this elevation pit, elevation prison, prison so, word for pit or prison. The, the, the same word. word for it is pit. Uh, so, so he's going through this up and down, up and down. Yeah. He's going to um, elevation Pit, elevation pit, elevation right. pit. I think you mentioned that, uh, yeah, in yeah. previous, but yeah, more. And, and death would, I think, would be the only uh, response. You know, it, you know, if, uh, his wife comes and you know says, "Hey, um, he he raped me," or you know, he's trying to sleep with me, blah blah. And of course, she sends Joseph into prison. I think with that kind of crime, death is probably. The normal uh, the normal punishment. Um, so I think it's again God's favor. If you're that an officer of Pharaoh, you and some slave sleep with your wife in truth. I'm sure Pharaoh would say, "Yeah, kill him." <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's uh, that's not a prison offense kind of right. thing. And so I think it's weird that Joseph's life was spared. He was just sent to prison. He wasn't killed. He wasn't tortured. He was just like, "No, send him, send him away." So I think, again, God's covering, in a sense, God was honoring yeah. Joseph's um, thing. So we see his protection. Um, again, we see Joseph's resistance to temptations. Um, Adam and Eve did not resist to temptation when it was given. So 
Um, you see an elevation of, of Joseph's relationship with God and Adam and Eve, how one is lured by the lust yeah, or the, I mean, the craving. Joseph or, was tempted by a beautiful woman. Adam and Eve were tempted by an apple. <laughs> yeah, can, which one's better? You know? How can you resist an apple? <laughs> Illustration, <laughs> <man>. Illustrations. <laughs> but it just shows that there's a possibility you can, you can flee from temptation. Um, it gives us hope that if we walk yeah. with God, there is this opportunity. Um, <clears throat> you know, but Joseph was thrown into prison, um, the pit, with, and his brothers used his coat as evidence. Joseph was thrown into prison, and Potiphar's wife used his coat as evidence. Yeah. So both times, same situation. They're using that coat of many colors, or you know, not necessarily, but right. obviously it's not the same coat. But they're using it's the same thing that's bringing him down. Um, Joseph prospered in the pit. Joseph prospered from prison, and it doesn't matter where you are physically, God can and will use you. Um, Joseph remembered the dream God gave him, so God allowed him to, um, God allowed him to be in these low places only to elevate him back to show that God is ultimately in control. And I put God's word out lasts what happens. When God gives us a word, he'll see it through no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that in the life of Joseph, that dream, that vision that um, God gave Joseph, you know, no matter what, Joseph seems to hold on to that, that that was God's true vision for his life, what's going to happen, and God's going to, you know, see him through. So he just keeps his obedient, keeps his obedience to God. Yeah. So that's kind of what I wrote down for Joseph. I'm wondering if there's some similar concept to the goat in Genesis 39. <laughs> Because he's being deceived, or he's being blamed with yeah. uh, this this art. There's a there's a trickery going on with the coat in both senses, both situations. But we had talked about there was also a trickery going on with two different goats. Right. When Isaac was tricked by a goat, and then later on by Jacob, and then later on Jacob is tricked <coughs> with a goat by his sons. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's a a goats in this situation. Hmm. Or a similar word. I would have to read through the whole chapter to see if there's a similar word. It's seir, like a seder. Just as you're reading, I don't see a word that would be similar. Sometimes I think, well, I've seen, sometimes the Holy Spirit uses a a rhyming word in Hebrew. And you'll have a rhyming word throughout a, a section, or rhyming words throughout a section. There might not be anything more than just, it just... Happens to be a lot of words that rhyme together, and they all had to make sense. Yeah, I just wanted to throw something here that looks similar to say you're so far just looking all the way down to verse nineteen. I don't see this is the way your servant treated me. I saw, but that's a regular everyday word to make or to do a thing. Mm. Anyway, I'm bogging this down. Are you good? So what you got? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I wanted you to uh, give me the numerical meaning of Zaphonopanea. Oh, my goodness. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of letters. That sure is a lot of stuff you got in your mouth there, mister. <laughs> you said what? Zaphonopanea. Yeah, I need to do that. Let's see. Chapter 41. That's what I was going to jump to. That's where it's at. I found pay recently as command. Translated as command. 
think it's similar because I mean, it's mouth. It's open. Yeah. It's, I, think it's, uh, I wrote my teacher. He had me memorizing, or he has me memorizing this list of Hebrew words for teach, instruct, command, discipline. And he's got one written there, I think is a typo. Uh, Hora, H O R A H. That's not uh, a Hebrew verb. It happens to be a, a Hebrew word for the circular dance at a, a Jewish wedding when they're playing the Havanagila. So that's, that's that dance is called a Hora. But uh, either way, I wrote him an a email asking if. if He's found that somewhere, and he wants me to memorize that, or if it's a typo. But while I was looking for every word in English that gets translated as command, instruct, teach, blah, 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 I found like 12 more words. One of them was pe, which I thought was interesting. It's just mouth, but where it's being put that way, you can see that it makes sense as you're being given a command. All right, I'm done. Okay. <clears throat> what? What you got? I don't know. What's ayin and chet? Ayin, uh, the picto? Yeah. Is I, and to see, know, That's experience. Right. The word for ayin in Hebrew is ayin. Oh, okay. You can see the, if you draw it out like uh, the real artistic looking style, you see the two heads there, or the two tops of the letter, look like two eyes. Oh. Going down to the face. And the chet is a fence in a room, sanctuary, quiet place. Okay. And then what numbers do you? You need a, a 70 and 8. Yeah, I got those too. Do you want to write them down or do you want me to just? No, uh, that's fine. That's fine. So you mean just figure it out? Well, tell me what <coughs> 70 and 8 are. I should write them down. Uh, 70 is um, the punishment and restoration of Israel. That could also mean like universality, you know, universe salad, huh? Salad, salad. yes. Universality, yes. <laughs> I can't get that word out. Universality, <laughs> <laughs> universality. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then, hey, there it is. And uh, eight means eternity. New creation, or the first in a new series, or new birth. Yeah, new, new, new. Yeah, Eight yeah. is new, new, new. Yeah. Okay. So there, so there we go. Fish hook in the mouth, Holy Spirit seal, punishment, restoration, eternity, new. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> it kind of helps knowing about the per about the person and what's going on. Yeah. So. Um. Let's see. Um, so what 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 do you have about him? I'm not trying to think how the fish hook and the yeah. the fish go with him. Call well harvest. The first one you gave me uh, for uh, Zadi. Fish hook catch caught harvest trouble. 
just and righteous. He is just and righteous. He had plenty of trouble, but in the end, he's the one who's catching all the harvest in because all of Egypt's coming to him and selling their. Oh, they're, they're, he, the government is taking up this taxation and keeping it all for the hard times that are coming. So he's really bringing in the harvest for sure. Hmm. I mean, you see harvest, you see you know him speaking or his mouth or being a, a voice of something. Um, you know, fish, there's activity, there's life, there's something going on. Without your consent... No one shall lift up hand or foot in all of Egypt. So he gives him authority in his mouth to do whatever he wants to. And that comes at his new birth, his new beginning out of the pit. Let's see. Uh, like Pei and Ket both have a new beginning concept with them. Mm-hmm. So there's basically like a, a new... A new life, and he speaks or has a voice. Um, he seems to see or know something. I wonder if he ate with wooden sticks like I do. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's from China. <laughs> and het, you know. Fence or inner room or sanctuary. That's kind of. Well, when I look at this and I realize that Het is eight, uh, just commonly eight is new beginning all over the place. Just neat stuff. Yeah. Okay, so translations of Zafnapanea, and this is what I, one thing I had included in uh, my devotional I had written on him. Because I'm I'm going over saying, the real Zafnapanea. Well, the real Zafnapanea, please stand up. Please stand up. Yeah. Please stand up. Please <laughs> show yourself. Uh, Zafnapanea has several possible translations. All are very interesting when you apply them to the Jesus picture type. It can mean the treasury of the golden. Excuse me, treasury of the glorious rest, salvation, the savior of the age. And the revealer of the secret, a revealer of a secret. One explanation in a Greek text, along with Jerome's Latin, adds the phrase savior of the world. Uh, so in that Latin, in that Greek text, it refers to uh, Eon. He's, a, I think, Soter. I'm not telling you the right congregation of the whole phrase, but Soter is savior or to save, hmm. savior of an Eon, which is what we use for or we know as time. Well, it can be universe also, as in all of it, time and matter. Eon and eon, that's right. basically forever and ever in the New Testament. Huh. But he's the savior of the eons. Hmm, interesting. Some of the, I, I like that, that name particularly, but it is fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Yeah. Exactly. Yes, what? Yes. How do you spell that? Yeah. Put a Z in there. Who's all right? <laughs> Just call me Z. <laughs> That's what we'll do nowadays if somebody's name's Afnapanea. You're the Z man. <laughs> Z man. <laughs> uh, okay, I wanted to put uh, Joseph back in timeline here. If, let's see. 
I guess I'm jumping up. Yeah, let's just see where this goes. Because I every once in a while I want to bring us back to the timeline. Joseph was born in 2260. Adam Ford, AF. He received the coat of many colors in 2277 AF. He comes to power in Egypt in 2290. So he's born in 2260, comes to power in 2290, 30 years old. And we get this all out of scripture, Genesis 41, 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out of the, from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. So uh, just putting it back together with timeline of people we have long left. Isaac. Was Joseph and Isaac around at the same time? If you just read the scripture, it seems like, no, Isaac's been dead for a long time. Joseph is 30. Seven years of plenty have already happened, and two years of famine had already happened. There's still five years of famine left to go. And this is, he tells his brothers this at the time uh, when they come down the second time, the second year of the famine. Before Jacob comes down to Egypt with his whole family, uh, there's five years left to go. When Jacob arrives, he is 130 years old. So Jacob at that time is 121 years old when Joseph comes to power at the throne. That's nine years. Seven years of plenty and two years of famine. If he's 130, then 130 minus nine, he's 121 when Joseph comes to the throne. Jacob and Esau were born... When their father, Isaac, was 60, Isaac dies at 180. So when Jacob is 120, that's one year before Joseph, uh, Jacob, excuse me, Joseph comes to the throne, uh, subtracting that basically 180 minus 120, that gives you the 60 when they were born, when they were born, Isaac was 60 when they were born. He dies at 180, so that makes Jacob and Esau both 120. When he goes down 10 years later and meets uh, Joseph, that basically means Isaac died one year before Joseph sat on the throne. Hmm. Just to put it into perspective, he would have known his grandfather. At some point, he would have been around him, at least enough to know who he was. But just just putting it back into perspective, because we have passed a long time ago, Isaac dies, and Jacob and Esau come and bury him. We have this whole story of uh, Joseph, and once he comes to the throne, when he comes to the throne one year after Isaac dies, it really slaps everything back together. Because we look at all this history and we say, oh, no, this has been thousands and thousands of years. When I look at biblical timeline now, and I don't go with what a particular denomination or seminary or Bible college preaches and tells us, and I just look at what's in Scripture, just do the math that's in Scripture. The word ancient doesn't really seem to apply. Ancient feels like millennial. Yeah. Millennia. It sounds like thousands and thousands and thousands. And Joseph, you know, all, this, all the history that we're thinking of from the creation, Adam, Noah, the flood, yeah, through ancient. all of that. And now we're coming to Joseph. And it, he's coming to power 2,290 years after Adam. Huh. It just, it's just not very long at all. Yeah. That's, just, that's, that's more time than from Jesus to us huh. by only you know, a couple hundred years. That's crazy. But the picture back from Jesus to us, if God created everything, and then we're in the time of Joseph in Egypt. 
That's crazy. I guess we would actually fall if we went from Jesus to now, two thousand years. We would fall around the time of Abraham <laughs> from Adam. If Adam is Jesus, we would fall around the time of Abraham. Wow. Let's see. I think Abraham was born two thousand and nine. Adam forward. Uh, Let's see. Joseph's wives and sons. Joseph got married and had two sons. Let's go on. (laughs) Congratulations, Joseph. (laughs) I want to throw you a nice little baby shower. (laughs) But, you know, that's what, going back real real quick, Uh, I think that's one thing that used to bother me to an umph degree, and I have to get up with God, I guess. But, um, you know, the Bible was not written in a seamless order. I mean, it it jumps so many places, and you have this prophet writing about this time, and this prophet was writing in a separate, writing at the same time, but they're in different places. And then you have an overlay of, of prophets. You know, the, well, these two prophets are speaking at the same time, and and um, you know, then you have well, here's a diff- here's a perspective of Ezra, here's a perspective of Jeremiah, and it's like what? And they're telling the same story, but they're a little bit different. And you know, it the Bible keeps jumping in so many places, and you think. Man, you know, by the time you read the Old Testament, you're thinking 20,000 years have passed by because there's so much going on. Yeah. Well, they're just, it's just one story kind of overlaying in, in a short, you know, I say a short amount of time, but it's really not that long. If of you a time. read through Judges and add up all the time of the Judges thinking you're doing a linear timeline, no, you're wrong. <laughs> the, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> You can you can actually leave Egypt with the timeline still intact, and then go through the the Exodus there, and then when you go through Joshua's time, about that's when it starts getting a little bit fuzzy. And yeah. You have to jump way forward into Solomon's time, and he he gives us a note that says X number of years from this event to this event, and if you go back, start layering it over, you start compiling it down. And you can go from Solomon backwards 40 years to David backwards 40 years to Saul, uh, Saul, King Saul, backwards 40 years. And then once you've gone up to Joshua and Samuel's time, what's between that, you see that it's not that it's not at all what you think <laughs> when you're reading Judges if you start adding those numbers up. <laughs> those are in different places for sure. And this guy happened to be a judge over this area for 15 years, but there's other stuff going on in other areas yeah. where somebody else is, you know, in, in that guy's seventh year, this guy raises up and frees these people in this area as a judge, and he starts a 30-year peacetime. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So There's a lot of overlay, overlapping, and, uh, some, and there's I think there's even some disagreements in chronological Bibles. There's some that put, you know, this person here or this person there and yeah um you know but doing that work though i have found a a pretty decent place in my personal reading for chronology a pretty decent place to put ruth while you're reading judges yeah i mean it fits inside that and you can see oh that's that's a pretty interesting place to put it i think you told me jeremiah's rough to date i tried to take jeremiah and fit it into the chronology that i had already done yeah and yeah because you got chapters earlier chapters that are dated later than later chapters <laughs> so and you'll have like uh a b and d 
are all, if we, we use, we're using letters for numbers, yeah. but if we use chapters A, B, and D in this little section right here, they go in X time, and then you've got C, which goes in W time. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute, what's happening here? And so you got two that are about the same, then you, the next one you jump back somewhere, and then the next one you're back with the other two that were the same. The next three will be forward in time. They'll be Z. <laughs> Z on the timeline is like oh, this is really hard. The thing is, though, those sections are dated by the king in charge, who he's talking to. So you can put it down, but if you're going to put it in your whole chronology, which the chronology that I read when I read straight through is placing all the usually the minor prophets because they're shorter reads, they don't destroy your timeline concept in your thinking yeah. but the minor prophets plugged into first second kings and once they once you plug them in there you get i get a much better understanding but sidetracking for something like jeremiah that's why i was going to start trying it uh, that <laughs> yeah that really messes up yeah might be good for make a separate timeline to read first second kings with only jeremiah inserted and then you get a better idea of, i need to do that in my spare time that's what i'm going to start doing <laughs> just as soon as I get some spare time. <laughs> spare time, what is that right now? I don't know. Everything's a blur. Well, I just finished, uh, like last spring, I finished the spring classes, and I thought for summer I'm going to read this and this and this because I'm going to have all kinds of spare No, that didn't happen. <laughs> I had no spare time. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, reading a, I'm reading a biography on the Apostle Paul, which is pretty cool. I'm like, man, I can, you know, I'm gonna finish this book. I'm like, I'm on like the sixth chapter, and then the new pastor here gives me, hey, I need you to read these two books and give me a report on them because I don't, I don't have time to read them, but um, I just need you to read them and you just tell me what's important. Okay, <laughs> pause this book and and then he's like, man, this is a good book to read, you know, and as a staff, and I'm like, what? <laughs> too many books yeah so the the paul books on a back burner that's so. good though because uh i do much more work and, and i'm able to do a whole lot of work and research and reading when i'm given an assignment and if i'm just gonna do it myself i, I get lax on it but like i think that's one reason i have really enjoyed going back to school didn't think i would but i'm being told what to read and i always said growing up i don't like being told what to read <laughs> because i was always reading anyway yeah i wanted to read what i wanted to read but now that i've been giving an assignment and saying research like he told you research this all right give me something to research i want to dig and if you give me a direction to start digging or a thing to dig for <laughs> yeah. i can go yeah yeah, that's cool though. Thanks for listening to the Two Spies podcast. If you would like to join in on the conversation, go to numa.life and leave a comment. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Music, or whatever app you're listening on. For additional articles on faith and life, visit numa.life.